Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with David Thompson of Winds of Change Remodeling. As president of Winds of Change, David brings forth a unique perspective to the remodeling world. As the 2020 and the 2021 chairman of the Remodelers Council and board member of the Housing and Building Association of Colorado Springs, he understands the various nuances and challenges that face remodelers today. He is a champion for homeowners and contractors and knows how to carefully balance the needs of both. He loves construction and always had a dream of building his own company. Since 2001, after serving a distinguished career in the military, he launched Winds of Change Remodeling and has been building beautiful projects for his clients in Colorado Springs ever since. Now for my conversation with David Thompson. Hey, David. Welcome to the show. Hi. Welcome, Spencer. Give everyone a quick rundown. Who are you? What's the company and where are you located? So my name is David Thompson. I'm the president of Winds of Change Remodeling Incorporated here in Colorado Springs. We founded in 1999 and incorporated in 2001. And I've just been moving on ever since. Right on. Yeah, that's cool. I'm excited to to dive in. Yeah, I guess maybe talk to me about the first couple of years. What caused you to want to start a remodeling business? (laughs) (laughs) So I have been in, in the construction and remodeling industry since high school. I uh, got involved about 1986 in shop class and just I, I've always had a passion for how things go together, how they function, and I love being in the outdoors. And so that's what led me into learning how to frame homes. Fast forward to 1999, I'd had a lot of experience behind me working in various positions for framing companies, for home builders, doing warranty customer service work, worked for a general contractor at military installations, doing a lot of their DPW work. And I just got to a point in my life, I was tired of somebody else telling me what my time was worth and how many days a year I could be sick and what time I could get up in the morning and what time I could go home and had an opportunity and just, you know, you know, jump for the brass ring, so to speak, and haven't looked back. I just, I really do love being independent and working for myself and working for my clients that we choose to work with. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I feel like that's why a lot of us go down that path of entrepreneurship is just want to control as much as you can. Right. And, you know, be in control of your own destiny. I guess talk to me a little bit about those first, first couple of years. I feel like uh, there a lot, a lot of learning, you know, sometimes they go smooth. Sometimes it's just like a total grind. What was it like for you? Oh, it was absolute success. I made 6 million in my first year and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> did not happen that way. You know, the first few years were challenging. I had an opportunity initially that came my way and a couple that followed, but they were short-term opportunities. And within probably six months, I was looking left and right, trying to find a, a job somewhere. And I just really wasn't sure how to market myself. 
And I had a friend of mine who worked for a home builder and she got me set up with them building their production decks, little mm-hmm. six by eight cookie cutters. And it advanced from just one or two a week to we were doing between anywhere from six to 10 decks a week. Did a lot of customer service work for them as well. They were not a high quality builders. They had a lot of warranty issues and they needed somebody to come in and take care of their clients. And so that helped to broaden my experience as well. It helped to hone my interactions with clients. And and I've always had a, a knack at working with people and listening and understanding them. But when you get somebody who's disgruntled because they didn't get what they paid for, the attitude and the disposition can be quite interesting sometimes. <laughs> so I was thrown into a lot of different challenges and it was a it was actually a really good growing experience. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I don't know if it's that similar, but it makes me think of when I, I worked as a busser, you know, in, in the restaurant industry and gosh, like you just, you get those challenging people, right. And those personalities and you have to figure out how to work with them and work through, you know, to the, to the end. So, so yeah, so you started out doing a bunch of decks and pretty high volume there, I guess. What was like the next transition point? I don't get the vibe that that's what you guys do today. So what did the next kind of phase look like? Shortly after getting involved with that, we connected with a sales representative with Pella Windows and Doors. And, you know, we created a relationship and he got me hooked up with their installation department. And we started doing a lot of their new construction installs. And then they started phasing us into their replacements. And they're actually two different entire worlds from new installation versus replacement, completely different set of skills required. And we just latched onto it. Again, like I mentioned before, I've always had a knack for understanding how things have to go together and how they function and interface with everything else. And that really came into position doing the replacements. And Within a number of years, we started getting a lot of their really challenging and high-end projects from structural replacements where we have to support, you know, the floor and the roof above, you know, creating massive openings, managing very difficult clients, very complex window and door systems, high angle installs. And we love the challenge. That's just it. We've met so many people in this industry and there's been a lot of them who just want the, the easy cookie cutter you know, in and out, simple jobs. And I've always had a knack for taking on the challenges because it really does broaden my experience as well as it gives me something to look forward to every day. It's, you know, you take the challenging things, it's something new every day. And so that's, you know, one of the things that really helped us to grow. And that was back in, I think, 2002, we became one of those certified installers and we still hold that certification today. Right on. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I guess in those first, like, let's call it five years or so. What do you think were like one or two just like, oh man, this is what entrepreneurship is like. Or, you know, you you kind of have those moments of like, what did I get myself into here? (laughs) Yeah. The biggest challenge initially was knowing where to find the work because I just didn't have that skill set. You know, in all my positions before, the work was given to us and we filled in our roles and we did it. So I didn't know how to market my company. And so I think it was about, creating and maintaining relationships was one of the things I learned early on. And it wasn't a conscious decision like, oh, I have to do this. I have to go make friends, you know, win friends and influence people. It was just getting those, building those relationships and continuing to grow in them and supporting those companies that I work for. You know, I worked for builders, I worked for Pella Windows and Doors, 
as a trade partner, not as an employee. And being involved like that, you have to nurture that relationship. So that was one of the things that, that I learned early on. I also learned early on that when you start a company, and especially when you incorporate, don't do your own books. <laughs> I <heard> that out. <laughs> I'm, books and accounting and, and, and taxes, that's not my strong suit. You know, a friend of mine calls it superpowers. We all have a superpower. And I found that my superpower is the planning and the logistics and the coordination of projects how they go together, the sequencing, all that stuff. And so that's what I focus on. And actually the the physical building and putting of of things together, that's my strong suit. And so I subcontract out, I hire that stuff out so I can focus on the things that I'm good at. I think that's great advice. You know, the more you can maximize your superpowers, as you said, and just, hey, put some other key people in place to do those. And then you'll go, you'll go a lot farther and faster. I guess fast forwarding a little bit in the journey, you know, as you kind of came bumping up into the great recession, what did the business look like going into that? And then how did you navigate it? I always find it fascinating. You had almost about 10 years or maybe six or seven leading into that. So yeah, so the recession hit about 2008, 2009, and, and we were established, but not going to lie, it was not pretty. We got hit really hard. It was all I could do to find a job. And I was marketing every corner that I could think of, and we would pick up any job that we could. I mean, we installed outdoor carpeting on this guy's front porch. We don't do <laughs> carpeting. I know how it's done. We did a great job, but it's just not what we specialize in. You know, to keep my guys busy, I would contract projects and get them working. And then I would go do some nickel and dime jobs just to get a little bit of pocket change to come into my my household. And I did this to keep these guys employed. You know, we did cut back our workforce quite a bit because we just couldn't afford a high-end, high-level payroll. So it came with its challenges. And then, I mean, honestly, if it hadn't been for my, my family, they, uh, because I wasn't bringing in enough income. I couldn't get my license renewed, couldn't get keep my insurance intact. That all lapsed. And once I was working solid again, I couldn't get those big paying jobs because I didn't have my license established and or it wasn't active, it was established. But then I, I didn't have the liability insurance. So they helped, they loaned me some money to get that reestablished. I was working solid and was able to get that taken care of. So big shout out to my mom and dad for helping out with that. Otherwise, you know, I would have been tanked and upside down. Yeah, I know it was really challenging time for, I would say, most most people in the industry. And yeah, I hear that often, you know, like got a helping hand here or there. And, you know, I mean, that's what community is for and family is for. So I love that you kept the guys on or as many as you could. I would imagine that that really was a huge benefit kind of coming out of it. You know, I look at that as a huge investment. And they typically say, you know, if you investing during the tough times kind of pulls you out of that. But I, I guess I'm curious, like once you kind of got things back up and, and going again and got the loan and everything, I guess, what did the next several years look like kind of coming out of that? Well, we got back on our feet and we got hard and heavy back with Pella and I just kept doing tons and tons of their replacements. We did some amazing projects, just some fantastic work for them. Again, the challenging high-end stuff and just loved it and really appreciated the trust that they put in us. But I also realized that I'm not getting any younger. And even at that point, I think I was uh, probably around 45. I realized, yes, I can still work circles around my guys and you know set the pace and set the example for them. But at the same time, I'm not getting any younger. 
And so I really had to start taking a look at what my future looked like personally and professionally. And a friend of mine, he specializes in scaling businesses and he's worked with Fortune 500 companies all across the US. And, you know, to take a, a small company like ours and decide to work with us to help us scale to the next level was huge for us. And it's been a challenge for him because even though he has experience in, in this industry, working with a company specifically like ours was a, a new set of challenges for him. So since hiring him on in, uh, I was around 2016, our company has grown fivefold just in gross dollars. And the interesting thing is that we're doing it with less staff, less in-house employees than we were, you know, six years ago. So it's just been incredible, the amount of growth we've experienced and the amount of opportunities. The other thing with that is that one of the things he told me is that we need to find three things that you specialize in that you really enjoy doing. And so we honed in on those three things. And now we've adapted a little, a little bit, but our focus is on kitchens, bathrooms, basements, and whole home remodeling. We have people come to us that want us to do, you know, build a garage or, or attach a garage to their house or, you know, just do some oddball stuff. I'm like, sorry, yes, we can, but no, we just don't specialize in that. It's really about identifying who we really are and pursuing what we enjoy. And we were really our skill. Yes, we could have pursued doors and windows, you know, continuing on with that. But as challenging as it can be, there's a lot more challenges in whole home remodeling as well as kitchen and bath remodeling. So that's where we aligned ourselves and have continued to pursue that. That's amazing. And I feel like so 5x revenue from like 2016 till now, you know, in six years, you said kind of focusing on like kitchens, baths, you know, basements, additions. That was one of the key pieces. Are there like one or two other things that really stand out to like what's allowed for that type of growth. Cause I would say, you know, a lot of times I talk to companies, they want to double in a year or in two years or whatever. And I think it sounds nice on paper, but it, when you actually look at it in reality, like there's a lot of work and effort that goes into that. There is a lot of work and effort. Could not have done that by myself. There's no way. So with my manager of business development and marketing, the gentleman that I hired in, he is responsible for the marketing system and plan that's been put in place that's helped get our branding out into specific neighborhoods. And we are starting to dominate certain areas in Colorado Springs just with our branding and our marketing. People are knowing us they recognize our logo, they see our yard signs, they see our trucks and trailers. So that's one aspect of it. The other is the, just the economy out here. I mean, I, I cannot take full recognition for the growth because we could have the world's best marketing, but if the economy is tanking, it's really tough to grow fivefold in, in you know, five, six, seven years. So the economy out here is just amazingly strong. It's unreal. Even the, the the shoddy contractors, the ones we call schmuck in a truck, these guys are busy, unfortunately, out there creating bad names for all those good contractors. Yeah. But so, I mean, the economy is amazing. And that's been a huge benefit to our growth. You know, our professional memberships and or, with our organizational memberships, like with the Housing and Building Association, National Association of Remodelers, Remodelers Council with the HBA, you know, these types of organizations, they help lend credibility as well as it gets us 
invested into the industry without having to sit in my office and be invested in the industry. I can be around my peers, talk about what's going on, troubleshoot problems, you know, get involved in community service projects and so forth. So these are all things that have, have led to the development of our company growth. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. That's super cool. Yeah. And I think that's, that's great advice. And I can tell part of it, I would guess is some of your background, but then you take a very humble approach to like your journey here, you know, kind of like renouncing some of the credit. I mean, we do have a strong economy out here, but I would yeah. still say five, five Xing in six years is something to, not everyone can do that. So <laughs> I know it takes, I know it takes a team, you know, but I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you've done a lot, you know? So I guess I'm curious too, like, what do you think has surprised you the most about just being an entrepreneur. The amount of work I can accomplish in a 24-hour period. This is actually one of the points I want to bring up is, you know, as entrepreneurs, we drive hard. We work ourselves. We take extreme risks. We will put in the hours necessary. I mean, you know, burning the candle at both ends just to make things happen within our business. And the one thing that I learned is take time off. It doesn't matter what's going on. It will be there in the morning. And I had gotten to myself, myself to the point where I was doing about 80 hours a week and I was proud of it. You know, yeah, look at me, look, you know, all this work I can do and all the things I can accomplish. And I suddenly realized a few things. One, I can accomplish 80 hours worth of work in 60 hours of time if I plan it and manage it correctly. The second is I make a commitment unless there is something absolutely dire and pressing. Come five, six o'clock at night, I'm done. That's it. Anything that's remaining, it will be there in the morning and I'll take care of it then. And I take that time to wind down. I spend that with family, you know, just take care of personal stuff and leave work behind. Well said. Well said. It's hard to do. And I know I've had to learn that lesson myself. And one of the things that allowed me to learn that was, you know, having our, our first kid. And I remember just deciding, like, I'm drawing my lines, you know, this is start and this is finished because. He went to bed at five. So if I wasn't home by like 4.30, I wouldn't even see him. You know? yeah. <laughs> so I had to, had to draw those lines. So, And I think like you describing it as like 80 into 60, I always like to think about it as like adding constraints to things. And so sometimes the more you add constraints, your effectiveness goes through the roof because you, you figure out a way, like you have to make it happen anyway with those new constraints. So yeah, lo love hearing that. I got a fun one for you. There's always like a 
wacky project or weird client story or you know something that's come up you can obviously leave out personal details and you know names and stuff anything coming to mind over the years just something where it was like man that was a wild one we've had a lot of fun projects a lot of challenging projects initially i think when we talk about oddball projects things that stick out in my mind in our minds it really comes back to the ones that were were challenging and not in a good way. It was a difficult client. There were miscommunications in the scope of work. Expectations weren't set appropriately. And we've had a number of those projects. I don't want to state that incorrectly. We've had our fair share of those kinds of projects, but we've always looked at them as opportunities for growth. As painful as they are to get through the project, we always complete the project. Irrelevant if we're going to take a loss or not, we stick through it to the end. We honor our warranty and we take care of the client. You know, we had one recently, it was within the last year and a half, two years. And with the challenges of COVID, we had product acquisition issues that just drugged the project out like an additional six, about six months. And it created a lot of heartburn with the client. And then we had a, a few other items that went into it. We stuck with it. We kept the communication open with the client. At the very end, I had to, how to say it, it just we negotiated the final invoice because of a lot of the, the things that transpired. And, you know, we lost some money. You know, we didn't make what we thought we would, but what we gained was a lot of experience because of that project. And, you know, we still took care of them just like we would have any other client. We always send our clients out to this really nice restaurant. And, you know, we gave them, a, I think it was like a $150, $200 gift card for this restaurant. It's a high-end place. We would have done that for any client. And that would have been the perfect excuse to say <laughs> they don't deserve it. All the things that we went through with them, that's just not the way that my heart approaches projects and, and approaches clients. So we held our integrity through the end and it was a good growing experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. The, I mean, this industry is just, it's challenging. Like, and, and people doing remodeling, like you're in the home and it's disruptive. And just by its very nature of like going through the process, like there's bound to be things that come up. So I think. The way you handle it is always the most important. What does the future look like for you guys? You've been through some really fast growth the last several years. What's on the horizon the next three to five years, something like that? So the next three to five years, we anticipate it's going to be interesting with the economy. So that's going to play heavily into this. We're expecting about twofold more growth from our position right now. We just got exclusive marketing rights into a specific neighborhood in town. I don't want to call it marketing rights, but it's a marketing privilege. And with a, a very exclusive neighborhood in town and a lot of higher end homes ripe for remodeling, 20 years plus, the demographic works well. And so that's going to afford us new opportunities for more growth. Our team will build taking on those levels of projects. And we're looking forward to it. We're just, we're absolutely ecstatic about it. And this privilege of being afforded is as a result of the work that my marketing and business development manager has been working on. He's out there creating relationships and meeting people and was able to put this together. And we're really excited for what's going what's gonna to be coming out of this one. That's cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Sounds like a great opportunity for sure. So David, I got a couple of questions to wrap us up. One is just kind of around the economy in general, the industry in general, like we've experienced quite a few different types of challenges the last couple of years, you know, supply chain, labor, you know, those types of things. What do you see over the next one, two, three years as like those big challenges our industry should really be actively working to solve and not just like calling out as problems? To keep politics out of it, 
The only thing I would say is that we might see a shift after the midterms, and I'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll just see what happens. Relative to keeping the economy moving in this industry, affordable housing is huge. One of the challenges that we're facing, and as a remodeler, I'm not impacted so much, but I know that the home building industry is heavily impacted by a lot of the new policies that are coming out relative to green building and energy efficiency and it's just switching from you know, natural gas to electricity. It's creating a number of financial challenges for builders. The simplest things as having to upgrade your windows from a basic economy line to something that is Energy Star rated and certified. So there your price goes up, you know, having to do blower door tests and, and wrapping homes and Tyvek and so forth. I know that these things help provide a a higher performing home and totally understand that, but it also adds to the price tag, which is just causing prices to go up for everybody. So it's an interesting challenge that we're facing. And it makes me question relative to affordable housing and entry-level housing, could we as an industry allow for 1,200 square foot homes to be built substandard to energy policies that are enforced today to help get these homes built at a lesser price. So yeah. it's, just a, it's kind of a rhetorical question and certainly something that can be explored. I mean, yeah, we're millions of homes short. You know, we just, we have a supply issue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we need more supply. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've read an article recently that the average home has approximately $90,000 worth of fees before the hole is even dug. That's fees, permits, inspections, engineering, architecture. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. So it's just, I know that it's a challenge for home builders. Gratefully, I'm on the remodeling side. So I take the older homes and make them better. But again, relative to the industry, the economy, I think that's one of the biggest challenges we're facing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up. I always like to ask if you People listen to this, there are other remodelers kind of in your shoes all over the country. What's one piece of advice you'd want to pass along or some final words of wisdom? It's interesting. There's a couple of mantras that have always stuck with me. One is, I will do today what most people won't so that tomorrow I can do what most people can't. And the position is not of arrogance. It is a commitment to myself that I am building this business to be able to enjoy the fruits of the labor that I put into it. And I'm willing to sacrifice a lot more than some people would to make sure that that happens. The other is, that comes from my military background, is find an excuse to win. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what challenges you face, whether it's personal, it's business, it's employee, it's clients, find an excuse to win. And, you know, because it's anybody can quit. Anybody, quitting is easy. Not everybody wins because they're not willing to put in the effort. So just find an excuse to win. I love it. Well, David, uh, thanks for sharing your story and carving out the time with me today. Yep, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.